Welcome to Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life, where we invest in what matters, God and people. I'm Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of WelcomeHeart.com, where you can learn to know and show the heart of God. And that's what counts. Thank you for joining me. One of my favorite memories of my friend, mentor, and former pastor's wife, Mabel Pittman, was while I was home from college, and I got her alone for a moment to ask a very important question. Everyone loved Mrs. Pittman. We called her Mrs. Pittman. Now I call her Mama Mabel, and I interviewed her for this podcast earlier this month. I'll put the link in the show notes. Mrs. Pittman was friendly, open, loved to laugh, and she played the piano like a boss. One other thing, she only had one arm. Born a twin, second in line to her robust, healthy older sister, her right arm stopped at the elbow. Her mom raised both girls the same and told them they could do whatever they set their mind out to do. And Mabel did. Once you knew her, you never thought about what she didn't have, only what she did. Her very presence was a form of mentoring. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. You have two arms. What Mabel had also was an infectious laugh, self-effacing humor, and an indomitable trust in God and love for her husband, Pastor Ed. We loved her. Speaking of humor, she recently sent me a recipe for triple fudge brownies. I wrote it up for my readers, and I emailed her that I would be trying them out that night. However, right after dinner that same night, I was walking our dog, Holly, and Holly spied a cat. And when she spied that cat, she tried to go under a car, and I ended up ramming my shoulder into a parked car. It was an Audi, and I didn't hurt the car, but I cried. And my husband, Mark, the man in plaid, MD, checked for a broken clavicle. And I slept on three pillows for three weeks. The next day, Mabel saw that I had posted her brownie recipe in my newsletter. I wrote her right back and I said, I know I said I was going to make your brownies, but I hurt my shoulder last night and I couldn't make them with one arm. She emailed me right back and said, I know what you mean. I've been baking with one arm for 84 years. Don't you love that? A sense of humor isn't a requirement to be a mentor, but it doesn't hurt. My very important question back in my 20s was this. Mrs. Pittman, what do you do about besetting sins? You know, the things you do over and over, even though you try and try, and you ask forgiveness, and then you do it again. She had such a surprising answer, so much so that I've never forgotten it. Sue, she said, when I realize I've sinned, I look at it as a sign to rejoice and to praise the Lord. I was a little shocked. I didn't understand it. I looked at her wide-eyed. She went on to explain. Imagine you have two sheets hanging side by side. One is off-white and one is white. The further they are from each other, the more they look the same. But the closer you bring them to one another, you see more clearly how far off in color they are. 
When the Holy Spirit convicts me of sin, I realize that I'm close enough to God, even though I've sinned, because I know he's convicting me. The farther I am from him, she went on, I don't pay any attention to how I'm grieving his spirit. So when I sin, I don't thank God that I've sinned, no, but that I realize I did. And I can go back into fellowship with him immediately when I confess. I've never forgotten that answer and that image of two sheets flapping on the line. And I've used it over and over again to encourage others. Now, Mabel mentored well on two counts. First, she was approachable. I wasn't afraid to talk to her and be vulnerable with her. Secondly, she turned my eyes towards Christ and the truth of Scripture. As a mentor, we need to direct others to Christ. But we can't do that very well unless people feel safe with us so that they know they won't get hammered with a sermon or hit over the head with your head full of Bible knowledge. When Mark and I were first married, we both knew a lot of scripture, and we could throw it at each other rather than let it change us instead. We had to get over that. That's one reason Paul wrote, knowledge puffs up. Yes, it does. The more scripture we know, we think we're pretty great but it can cause damage when used as a form of making us feel like we're better than the person who knows less than we do. The whole concept of mentoring is that someone knows less than the mentor. They need you. They need that knowledge, but they need your love all at the same time. We have to mix it up together. It's a Holy Spirit kind of thing. We strive on to know God's word as best we can with the Holy Spirit's help and guidance. And then we love that person again with the Holy Spirit's help and guidance. I knew I could speak vulnerably with Mabel because she was honest about her own vulnerability and failings and because she loved me and my family. Perhaps there's no better passage for mentoring than Ephesians 4.15. But speaking truth in love, may we grow up in all things into him, which is the head, even Christ. The purpose of mentoring is to help others grow up in all things into Jesus. And we could do that with the proper balance of love and truth. Seems to me that we can err in one area or the other. Take a moment and think, is it easier for me to love someone? and let them slide when they are heading the wrong way and call that love? Or is it easier for me to tell them what's, what's what, what's wrong with them, how they should change, and not worry about how I tell them how they should change? God will give us the balance when we honestly ask him, where do I need to grow in this area? Which area am I weakest in? Lord, help me see how you speak to me in truth and love. Amen. Oswald Chambers said this, All of God's people are ordinary people who have been made extraordinary by the purpose he has given them. The role of a mentor is difficult to separate completely from the character of a mentor, but I'll try. The first role, well, only one we'll cover today, is to be an introduction to God 
and usher another into his presence. As a mentor, we're to usher the mentee into truth and the presence of God, which is all love, too. I used to work at Pottery Barn because I needed drapes. And I learned while working there that Pottery Barn is a very strategic corporation. I was not allowed to touch their displays because that was not my job. I had to fold towels their way. I learned a lot about folding towels. And whenever I reported for duty, when it was my turn to work, they told me which section of the store they wanted me to work in. It became apparent they mostly wanted me in the front door area. I wasn't very good with learning the details of selling sofas and lamps and recliners. I was good at making customers feel welcome. Funny thing. Welcome to Pottery Barn, I would call out, where all your dreams come true. I made that part up. The women would laugh and the men would cringe as they walked in the door. It was all in fun. But they couldn't trust me anywhere else. And I introduced them to the person who could actually meet their needs. If they were looking for a sofa, I would radio the sofa person. They were looking for a wedding registry, I would radio that person. And I would send them off to that person. It's the same with being a good mentor. We usher someone into the presence of God. And we assure them that they are in the right place. And introduce them deeper and better to the only one who can actually meet their needs, help them develop their dreams, and reach those dreams. Two cautions. A good mentor realizes that they are not the answer to someone's ultimate needs. We do not replace God in someone's quest to know God. You've heard of the Messiah complex, like a cult leader, who makes it his job to make sure people rely upon him and him alone. I doubt if any of you will be tempted to be someone else's Messiah. But as with all gifts and ministries, we hold them loosely, loosely, allowing God to weave in and out of a relationship, letting him lead in the timing and the depth. The second caution is we don't meet all a person's needs. Sometimes a woman's issues are more difficult and weighty than you can or should handle. If you find yourself in discussions that make you feel either uncomfortable or more serious in nature than you have experienced, always feel free to refer to a professional counselor, a therapist, or a pastor. Your church may have a trained counselor on staff, which is a great place to start. A mentee relationship is not a therapist relationship, unless, of course, you are a therapist. If you have any doubts about continuing to meet with someone who is in a deep predicament, that is God talking to you through those doubts. Listen to him. Explain your views or perhaps your discomfort to your mentee. Offer to help set up an appointment with another person. Even offer to accompany her to that first session. And don't feel guilty about that. Let me say that again. Don't feel guilty about it as if you failed. Maybe she would only seek professional help by starting with you. So God used you even if for a short while. If we continue to hold on to a relationship that he's telling us to stop with, it's unhealthy for both. And it can be a red flag that we have all waved at one time or another that says, I'm the only one who can help this person. There's that Messiah complex. That red flag has tripped me up more than once. And I love what my dear friend Bonnie Maston told me years ago. Sue, 
God is the one who does the real work anyway. So true. So right. So move on, dear one, and he will do what he does best. Grow us up into the image of his son, in his way, and by his plan. We don't save people, but we introduce them to the Savior. We influence and we mentor by how we live, and people may pick up on it whether or not we advertise it. For parents and grandparents, lifestyle mentoring is by far the most effective. So in a sense, to be a parent and a grandparent is to be a mentor, and it's the most significant kind of mentorship because we have the opportunity to change the world through the next generation by how we live the truths of God around those closest to us. But it can also be the most challenging kind of mentoring just because of the family ties that bind us close. They also drive us crazy at times. Are you in a mentoring relationship today? One in which you are ushering another believer into the presence of God or into his truth like Mabel did for me so many years ago? Or one in which you are being mentored? If you'd like some practical tips on how to get started, check out my little book, Table Mentoring, A Simple Guide to Coming Alongside. The link will be in show notes or you can find it on Amazon. I'll have more to say on this as the weeks proceed. In the meantime, make this desire of yours to share your life with another a matter of prayer. And this could be the start of something you've been waiting for your whole life. May all your dreams come true. Our lives always count when we spend time pouring into people and getting poured into. Blessings on you as you pour and get poured into. All for heaven's sake. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live. All for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.